Hello everyone, welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we have a good message for you that's a great lesson on the relationship between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to be opening up in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, but I'm going to be moving all over the Bible, so you're definitely going to want to have your Bible with you today and have your finger on that pause button probably to be able to stop and uh, go back and grab some uh, some uh, scripture and look them up because I'm going to be moving pretty fast um, in order to save time. I try to limit these podcasts to about 30 minutes, and uh, so uh, there's going to be a lot of scripture and a lot of teaching into this particular class here. So uh, go get your Bibles and come back and uh, tune in with me here for First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. The title today is The Relationship Between the Gifts of the Spirit and the Fruit of the Spirit. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So that tells us that when you receive a gift, we need to be using that gift to minister to other people through the grace of God. It, everything we do through the gifts and the fruits of God is supposed to be magnifying the name of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. The Bible tells us hear clearly what these original um, uh, first uh, the original fruits of the spirit are that's in Galatians chapter 5 and uh, the Bible has nothing that it can hold against those particular fruits so the Bible has nothing that says that love is a transgression joy is a transgression joy uh, peace is a transgression none of these fruits of the spirit have any transgression against the word of God and that's what that verse is saying there's no such law against these things now I'm going to quickly jump to second Peter verses uh, or second Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and add to your virtue knowledge, to add to your knowledge self-control, add to your self-control perseverance, add to your perseverance godliness, and add to your godliness brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness be sure to add love. Why? Because love is the foundation for every one of these things. Without love, none of those things matter. <clears throat> So the pattern of those who are believers and claim to be Christ-like and also claim to have the gifts of the Spirit should live a life that is patterned after the life of Christ and personify his life, his death, and his resurrection. <clears throat> Quickly turn into 1 Corinthians 12 uh, and verse 31. It's also seen in 12. Uh, I'll also read 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. But 31 says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. He's telling us right there that we should covet some things. I know the stone tablet, the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not covet. But 
Here's something God is telling us to covet. He's telling us we need to be covet, chastening. We need to go after the gifts of the Spirit, the best gifts that he has, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Paul is saying I have a most excellent way, and we're going to talk about that more excellent way here in just a little bit. He goes on 14 and 1, pursue love, yet desire earnestly. So he wants us to desire some things and, and get really earnest about desiring them. And he says to desire his spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. What's he saying there? It's not that he wants you to be a prophet. It's not that everybody that desires spiritual gifts becomes a prophet. He's saying that you may prophesy. And when you speak the word of God over somebody, when the word of God comes through you to somebody else and lifts them up and edifies them, as you're speaking, uh, as a matter of example here, if I'm speaking to you and say, I speak the life of Jesus Christ into you, I speak goodness into you, I speak God's prosperity into your life, I, I speak healing into your body, I'm speaking the word of God over somebody, but I'm edifying that person by using the word of God and what God says about them to prophesy good things over them because the power of life and death is in the tongue and we can speak good and evil over people, but he says to use the spiritual gifts to edify people and to lift up the church. So this is what he's talking about. Desire spiritual gifts so that you can prophesy and speak good things over people to edify them. Now, I want you to notice how Paul couples together the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit because both the fruit and the gifts are signs that our hearts have been kindled by the flames of the Holy Spirit. Another way of stating this is that through the Holy Spirit, our hearts have been set on fire by God's grace and His love. Now, the Bible presents us to us a signpost. It, it's a, the Bible is a signpost of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, these are both similar and different in some ways, and I'm going to show you this. Uh, the source of both of the fruits and the gifts is the Holy Spirit. There's not another spirit that gives either one of them. The God's Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, the fruit of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit, they all come from the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are bestowed by the Holy Spirit. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. And the fruits of the Spirit are put forth by the Spirit into the lives of the believers. So, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us His gifts. The fruits of the Spirit are put forth by His Spirit from us and out to other people. They, are, they're, they're, they become our nature and who we are. They identify us. But the purpose of both is to build up the church. The gifts are for the common good and well-being of the church. And that is backed up by 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 and 1 Corinthians 14 and 26. Now, the crowning fruit of the Spirit, or the most important, the most well-renowned fruit of the Spirit, is love, and that is that is given to us to build up the church, as defined in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. But the full and mature expression of both is brought out by the growth and maturity of Christians. So, the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit cannot mature in us. They cannot show their potential unless they are in another Christian and that Christian grows and matures in the Spirit. So you cannot receive a gift of the Spirit and then all of a sudden you're greatly mature and you can operate in that gift fully without any flaws or without any hiccups. You have to grow and mature. When God gives you a gift, you have to work that gift. You have to study. You have to train that gift with the Word of God. Let Him speak to 
you and let the Spirit edify that gift and grow it up inside of you. Without doing that, you will not be able to fully operate the way that God wants that gift to operate in you because you don't have control over that gift. It's His Spirit and His Word that operates through you that causes that gift to function through you. I hope that makes good sense to you. That's found in 1 Corinthians 14, teaches us that believers need to develop and use their gifts to edify the congregation. So when God gives us a gift, we need to use his word and the prayer and seeking his face and working with his spirit and letting his spirit work through us so that the gift can develop properly for the whole purpose of edifying the congregation. Likewise, spiritual fruit must be developed. It, spiritual fruit doesn't just pop up and there it is. Spiritual fruit needs to be developed. That's, that's uh, backed up in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Now, the list of the gifts of the fruits of the Spirit as stated in the Bible are, are not really to be understood as exhaustive or fully comprehensive or all-inclusive. And please don't turn me off right there because I'll, I'll back that statement up. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or add to or take away from the Bible. Other gifts and other fruits stem off of these things, and I want to just give you some examples here. Joy, uh, when you have the when you have the fruit of joy, joy displays a gift of laughter, and and laughter is medicine to the soul, and laughter will draw people in, and they will laugh with you, and laughter is a spiritual medicine that touches the souls of other people. Love draws others and creates the gift of friendship. So love creates other friendships and builds relationships. Peace, peace resonates to others and creates the gift of harmony among brethren. So uh, peace resonates and creates other things that stems off from it. Uh, Long-suffering and patience. Get this one. Long-suffering and patience generates the gift of trust and gratitude from those that you're having patience with. When they see that you're putting up with them because they know that they have troubles, they're needing to grow, they're needing to mature, and you constantly have patience with them and you work with them, it, it develops a, a gift of trust from them to you, a gift of of a fruit of gratitude from them to you, and, and it, it creates relationships that causes love to stem, that causes friendships to stem, that causes joy to stem. All the other fruits, they start spanning off of each other, and these other things, they stem off. So there's there's lots of things that comes from these fruits, and I, I want to I want to uh, give it to you another way so that it don't sound like I'm trying to uh, just really reach hard to make something happen because I'm not. This is what happens with the fruits of the Spirit when they start showing up in your life. So look at it this way. When you pick an apple from a tree, is that nutritious snack of the apple all that you can receive from that apple? So when you pick it, you just eat that apple. Is that the only benefit that you can get? Is that the only way that you can enjoy that apple? Or could you particularly have, uh, let's say, apple jelly? Could you have an apple turnover, an apple pie? Maybe make apple juice. Maybe candied apples or, or baked apples or caramel apples or apple sauce. There's many wonderful benefits from the same fruit when applied in different scenarios and needs. You don't just get an apple. The apple can be used to make many other things that are joyous. And that's the same thing that happens with the fruits of the Spirit when when one fruit of the Spirit edifies, it's almost like, if I can use this, don't don't beat me up over this, but it's almost like they cross-pollinate and create some other fruits, and they start stemming off some other things that are beneficial to your spirit. 
Now, that's a, that's a wonderful way to look at that, and I, I know that somebody's bound to be able to understand my Apple scenario, and I hope you do. If, if you like that, you can email us at, at uh, holdingfasttofaith@outlook.com and tell me you enjoyed the apple scenario or you can tell me that I'm, that I'm full of applesauce. But uh, I believe that that's a really good explanation on how we can understand how the fruits of the Spirit can be used in multiple areas and, and stem off other fruits and other benefits from the fruits. And see, the, the fruits of the Spirit are devotional and ethical and have more to do with our Christian character. This these are the differences, the differences that we see between the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So fruits of the Spirit are devotional and ethical and have more to do with Christian character, but the gifts of the Spirit involves spiritual power, and more specifically, they involve doing rather than being. Now, that comes out of 2 Corinthians 12 and uh, 1 Peter 4. Fruits, let, let me put it this way, the fruits of the Spirit display character. That, that's who you are, who you represent, who lives inside of you. The character of Christ comes out of you when the fruits of the Spirit are displayed. Gifts. The gifts are actions, God's actions through us to build up the church. The gifts of the Spirit have a, have a, a very vital place in the church until Christ comes back the second time. That, that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. But the fruits of the Spirit are eternal. That's, that's 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. Uh, and, and the fruits of the Spirit, listen, they, they will manifest through us and in us for eternity as we live in God's presence eternally. When we're in His presence and we are the bride of Christ and we are in that immortal body and we spend eternity with him, his fruits will resonate through us for eternity. The fruits of the Spirit will never stop emulating through us. They are eternal. The gifts of the Spirit are to help us and others here on the earth in this present time actually get into eternity in God's presence. I hope that makes sense with you. So the fruits will always be with us because they will be our character for eternity. The gifts of the Spirit are to edify people and draw people in and let people see God's work so that they can too be part of the body of Christ and draw them in and edify them and prepare them to become the bride of Christ. Hope that makes sense. So as the gifts of the Spirit are manifested, they are to work through the fruits of the Spirit. So they work hand in hand. The, the Corinthians were told to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, the, the gifts of the Spirit working through love is what Paul calls the most excellent way. And I talked about that as we opened this session up. That's found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 30 or verse 31. Paul said that the gifts of the Spirit working through love, through a fruit of the Spirit, is the most excellent way. So the most excellent way is more than manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. It's love working through the gifts. So it's not either love or gifts, but love and gifts. It takes both. This is yet another way of discernment of spirit. When someone seemingly uh, may be speaking in a prayer language or in, a, in another tongue and they also interpret, which uh, mind you, they sh this should be on a rare occasion for someone to be the one giving the message and the tongue, but it does happen. I don't want to get into doctrinal things there with that, but the interpretation of the gifts should reflect and emulate love. If if the uh, if the 
If the tongue and the interpretation does not emulate love, then you automatically should have your discernment meter pop off and see, hey, I got to look into this person, see what's going on, because neither of the gifts nor the fruit are superior to the other, for all or all of them are given by God. And in some circles, because spiritual fruit, uh, such as love, joy, and peace, are eternal in nature, uh, they're viewed as functioning separate from the gifts of the Spirit, and that, that's just not so. In, in such thinking, the gifts of the Spirit may be considered to be less important in the church's ministry. And a, a better way to view spiritual fruit and gifts is that they exist and function together. The fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, they have to work in harmony or, or there's something really wrong. Maybe somebody's manufacturing some things that they shouldn't be doing. Hope that makes sense to you. Maybe I can finish driving that home because if, if fruits of the Spirit do not show up in the person that is actually functioning in a what seems to be a gift of the Spirit, then you know that neither happens to to exist. It can't be God doing it. So gifts of the Spirit or means through, uh, gifts of the Spirit or means through what the church can express the fruit of the Spirit uh, within the life of the church and in the world. So when the gifts of the Spirit operate in love, the body of Christ is strengthened. So the gifts of the Spirit just happen to be the means through which the church can express the fruit of the Spirit within the life of the church and the world. Did everybody get that? So the gifts of the Spirit are used as a pathway or as a tool. Gift, the gifts of the Spirit are a tool that is used through the church to express fruits of the Spirit to everybody else. Hope you picked that one up. Maybe that works for you. So when the gift of the Spirit operates in love, the body of Christ is strengthened. That's the whole purpose of the gifts and the fruits. Love is patient and kind. It never seeks to divide. It is never prideful or boastful. That comes out of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love strives to maintain unity in the bond of peace. That's another one of those fruits of the Spirit. So love and peace function together. They operate in unity together. That's an Ephesians 4 and 3, love is to express itself in the gifts, but it is to do much more than that. The foremost fruit, which is the love, the fruit of love, the foremost fruit of the Spirit, which is love, is to be the controlling factor of the gifts. And that's what Paul says is the more excellent way. So to who are the gifts of the Spirit given? The, the Bible tells us very clearly to, that the, the gifts of the Spirit are given to individual Christians, and this is what Paul says. Now, to each believer, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good to the one that's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, which is the ability to speak with wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. I'm, I'm speaking this out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 12. So <clears throat> Peter answers, answers this the same way. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various Forms. Now that comes right out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Let me read that again. If any of you should use whatever gift 
you have received, you need to use it to serve others. That's the only purpose that you've got it anyway. God gives us gifts of the Spirit to serve others. He gives us fruits of the Spirit to emulate Him, to to encourage others to love Him and be part of Him. And we need to be faithful stewards of God's graciousness of giving these gifts into His various forms, however they may operate in our life. Again, that's out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Now, the, the fact that believers receive spiritual gifts is not to be taken to mean that they can exercise their gifts whenever they wish. This is a real danger, and it's a danger to assume that a, a gift that we possess can be used at our own whimsy. And, and, and if that's our assumption, if we start assuming that we can use God's gifts anytime we want to, then the term of possessing a gift, the term of possession in this means I own it. I control it, I operate it, I manipulate it. And that's just not so. This gift belongs to God. He's made you a steward of that gift. So such an understanding becomes schematic. It it starts scheming and the devil uses it to get into the church and that gives the church great potential for creating strife and division among the brethren and it causes church splits all the time. Now, the Holy Spirit bestows his gifts on believers according to his will, not not our will. We don't say, well, Lord, I'd like to have this one particular gift because I, I believe I could function really well in that. You use the word I twice, and I've told all over the country in my many years of ministry that there's no such thing as I, me, or my in God's ministry. You didn't do it. It's not yours, and you don't have control of it, so it's not you. It don't belong to you, and it's not mine to control. The Holy Spirit owns it, and it's his will and not yours. That's in 1 Corinthians 12 and 11. The recipient of a gift should exercise the gift at the direction and anointing of the Spirit. The gift should not be thought to be detached from the Holy Spirit and should operate only under His guidance, not your own desires. So our emphasis should not be on having and using spiritual gifts to the extent that we neglect or obscure the fact that our spiritual gifts just happened to be the gift of grace from God himself. And, and let's put it this way. As, as Paul says it, the, the gifts are for the edification of the church rather than enhancing the glory of those who have them. I hope everybody got that. If God gives you a gift, if you claim to have a gift that you don't have, or or maybe something's exercising in you, you don't know what it is. If you are getting boastful about it, if you've got some pride about it, if you're bragging about whatever's functioning and operating in your life, you need to really take yourself a reality check because it's not got to have anything to do about you getting any glory or bragging rights or boastful or pridefulness about what's going on in your life. God's supposed to be giving that to a humble heart and not enhancing the glory of yourself when you're operating in a gift. And he can closet that gift for you. Yes, the scripture says that my gifts and callings are without repentance. He will leave that gift in you, but he'll closet that thing until you get your pride under control. He will make sure that you straighten yourself up and sit down at the table and have a slice of humble pie before he allows that thing to operate in you again because gifts of the Spirit are solely for the edification of the church and not for you to be having bragging rights or giving yourself glory and taking glory away from the one that owns that gift that just loaned it to you to do his will with. Hopefully that works out for everybody. But in in closing, I want to tell you the, the pattern of Christ's life 
the life that Jesus Christ lived, that pattern of his life and his death and resurrection should find some sort of expression in the operation of spiritual gifts in you when you have them. So if, if, his, if his life is not being emulated through the way that spiritual gifts are operating in you, then they're probably fake or they're, they're probably someone that's putting on a show. Because as Jesus' life and his death and resurrection happened to be for us, for other people rather than himself, he didn't die for himself. He didn't have to. He didn't have any sin. There's no reason for him. He died for you. He died for me. He died for everybody else and everybody that would call upon his name to receive his salvation. That's who he died for. So his life, his death, and resurrection just happened to be for everybody else. So our use of his gifts in the spirit should be for that same reason. They shouldn't be for ourselves. They shouldn't be for self-edification or self-gratitude. They should always be for the benefit of other people. And that's why the spiritual gifts are so important. If we don't have the love of God, the number one pinnacle of the fruits of the spirit operating in our life, functioning hand in hand with a gift of the Spirit. We are just like he said, it's a tingling brass and a clanging cymbal, just a bunch of noise. It, we don't have anything that's useful in our lives or whatever's going on with us. Everything we're doing is absolutely spinning our wheels and not any count at all for God's glorification. Love has got to be the forefront of everything that we do and everything that we operate in. So you need to understand today that the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, they operate hand in hand. The gifts are the things that we do, the actions that we do because of the fruits that are in us. We, we carry out gifts because of the character that we have that, that emulates from the fruits that we have. Does everybody get that? So we receive the fruits. The fruits generate Christ-like behavior, and then we have gifts of the Spirit to act out things that Christ wants to act out through us. And so they have to work hand in hand. So with that, we should have a prayer in our life, and we need to pray this daily. Holy Spirit, thank you for your fruit of love, joy, and peace that, that you give to all of God's people that will have it. Please, Help me, Holy Spirit, to, to grow spiritually into, and, and to bear more fruit and, and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. Let me grow spiritually so that everything that you want to grow in me will produce and use my spiritual gifts to express your fruit in the church, to the church, and to the world. And, and we need to be praying that prayer so that God can use us. His purpose for coming into our lives is not just to save us. He wants to save us, sanctify us, fill us with his spirit, let his fruits grow and produce a harvest within us, and let his gift operate in us so that the gifts will grab other people and draw them into his kingdom too. We can't do that with all those things functioning in that order. So we need to pray, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your gifts of the fruits of the spirit, and that, and I I want you to help me grow spiritually to produce more fruit so that I'll be more helpful into your kingdom and be able to reach people for your church, for your benefit, for your glory, to reach out into the world and emulate you to draw more people into your kingdom in the name of Jesus. 
I hope that that does you some good because when I went over this message and went over this lesson and went to studying it, it even helped me knowing that you can go back and study this and please play this podcast over and over and over. The relationship between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit are imperative to you being absolutely functional in the right way in God's kingdom so that he can maximize his use of you to benefit him and his namesake. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope to see you on the next one.